Okay, back on this Tuesday, I'm Jeff MacArthur. Wordle has been sold. So what exactly does this mean for the millions of fans of the game? Let's welcome in tech expert Carmi Levy, who joins us now. Carmi, good afternoon. Great to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And you know, it's funny, Carmi, last time we spoke, you and I, we were wondering, uh, how is Josh Wordle making any money off this, off this runaway hit, uh, Wordle? And now we have our answer. What can you tell us about this uh, deal that's been struck with the New York Times? Well, we know that the New York Times, which is always looking to expand its digital portfolio, uh, they have uh, offered him what they call uh, low seven figures. So it could be a million dollars, it could be one and a half or $2 million, whatever it is. He is a single developer who is just literally cashed in on the hottest thing that's going on online today. So a pretty small amount of money for the New York Times. I mean, they're a huge media conglomerate, uh, increasingly digital as time goes on. Um, but I think it sends a message to the industry that uh, things like Wordle, which in the past might have been dismissed as flashes in the pan, New York Times believes that there's long-term value here and it was willing to write a check uh, have this guy cash out uh, and then incorporate it into its other properties. It has spelling bee. It has, of course, the famous crossword Sudoku. Uh, now it just adds to it and it gives New York Times subscribers another reason to buy in. Okay. Is that uh, why this deal is worth it to the New York Times? And do we have a sense as well, Carmi, how this might change the user experience, both short-term and long-term when it comes to Wordle? Well, if you go to social media, everyone is kind of freaking out because their free little addiction may not be free forever. Uh, New York Times, in its announcement, said that in the near term, it is not going to change anything. Wordle will continue to be free. Um, the developer is working with the New York Times to ensure that all of your records that you might have had, your streaks, things like that, will continue to survive after the transition happens. Uh, but they're not making any long-term promises. Uh, we've seen in the past that New York Times likes to use what's called a freemium model. They'll give you access to the basic version for free, but if you want the full-blown crossword, for example, you're going to have to pay for it. It'll be baked into your subscription. So I envision the same thing's going to happen with Whirl. There'll be like a free, cheap version, probably ad-supported, probably without all the features or the bells and whistles. And then they'll add something on so that if you're a subscriber, you'll want to pay for it. But it's pretty clear the, uh, the free ride, it's not over yet, but it's probably going to be over soon. That clock is ticking. Eventually, if mm -hmm. you really do want to keep playing Wordle, you'll have to pay up. Okay, it was fun while it lasted. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Everything is. Everything has a limited shelf life in a digital world, apparently. Yeah, but I'm wondering, does this, Carmi, give people hope? And by that, I mean entrepreneurs, that the, the next Wordle, it, it's just out there waiting to be discovered? I think so. I think, in fact, there are probably uh, scores, countless, uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands, who knows what the number is, but there are a lot of people looking at Josh Wardle now and going, why not me? Um, so I think there's been uh, an uptick in development of these small little side projects that developers might have had, and they're probably thinking, maybe I could be the next Wordle too. So I think this is a good news story. I think we're probably going to see more things like this being thrown at the wall and maybe they're, you know, the next viral sensation is already being put together in somebody's virtual garage. It'll be an interesting few months because I think new cool stuff is on its way. Here with Carmi Levy, also making tech news this afternoon, Sony, Sony PlayStation. They have spent billions to buy Bungie, a video game publisher. Tell us why this deal is significant, if you could, Carmi. 
Well, it's interesting. It's a shot across Microsoft's bow. Bungie is a studio that uh, is responsible for the Destiny game franchise, but also they created the original Halo, which if you sort of think back in video game history, that was the game that launched with the original Xbox over 20 years ago. And that was kind of the, the Microsoft of all time title. Uh, now, of course, Microsoft bought Bungie at one point, then they spun it out. Now Sony is buying it. Uh, it's kind of interesting to sort of see how the, the industry is changing, that Sony and Microsoft really are pulling out their checkbooks, buying up studios like this. Microsoft, of course, just paid a huge amount of money, almost $69 billion for Activision Blizzard. Uh, there's this superpower arms race to buy up all the studios and make sure that the best titles are available for your console, for your landscape. Uh, and I expect that this trend is going to continue. Eventually, there will be no more independent studios. Eventually, Microsoft and Sony are pretty much going to own everything that you and I play, which, from where I sit, not necessarily the best thing for all of us. Yeah, and why are the video game wars, why are they heating up? Is it similar to what we've seen with streaming, that there's this uh, rush for uh, content that uh, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, uh, and others, they all want to make sure that they've got the shows that uh, people want to see so they'll subscribe? Is that similar to what's going on here when it comes to Microsoft, Sony, and video games? Very much so. We often dismiss gaming as, you know, it's the kind of thing that teenage kids do in the basements of their parents' house. But the reality is video gaming is a bigger industry than movies and music combined. Uh, and, uh, and demographic data shows that it isn't teenage kids. It's people of all ages who increasingly play it. And thanks to the pandemic, those numbers have absolutely skyrocketed. So at the same time, we are seeing a transition in the video game industry. We used to buy games in boxes and then install them on our consoles. Now we stream them, we pay for subscriptions. So there's a lot more money at stake and it's recurring revenue, just not one time. So Sony and Microsoft recognize this and they're willing to, to pay big to make sure that they dominate this new age of video gaming because let's face it we all of us have nothing but time now to fill up we're looking for things to entertain ourselves gaming is front of the line for that and there's a huge amount of money to be made uh, especially if you have the games that everybody else wants to play if you've got the hottest titles you beat out the other guy and that's really what uh, what is behind these latest acquisitions you bet good stuff as always carmy appreciate the time this afternoon thanks so much Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Tech expert, Carmi Levy, and we're back after break. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. <laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. <laughs> 